This is GEA Embedded, our brand new GEA service on Balls of League, where we'll be offering you the best in-depth GEA coverage for the Championship Summer. On site and across our social channels, we'll have lots of great stuff for you throughout the week. But every Monday, we'll be here with you with a full breakdown of the weekend's action. I'll be joined by former Kerry captain Darren O'Sullivan to talk football. And for the hurling, we'll have former tip captain Shane McGrath. So we'll be talking to the lads in just a couple of minutes and lots more besides on the show as well. We'll also be continuing our fine balls of the tradition of guessing the handicaps for the weekend's game. So we've got Gary and PJ standing by for that. And we will be ranking our 32 away jerseys for this year's championship. So uh, lots for you to disagree with there, I'm sure. But we're going to start off today with the football. Darren is with us. And despite an absolute thriller in Navin, where Offaly under Wiley Old Fox John Mahan overcame Loud under Wiley Old Fox Mickey Hart after extra time, uh, the story of the weekend really was the serious marker laid down by three possible pretenders to Dublin's crown, Kerry, Donegal and Mayo. And I'm delighted to say, as I mentioned before, that former Kerry captain, former Kerry All-Ireland winning captain, actually, Darren O'Sullivan is with us uh, today, as he will be throughout the summer. Darren, how are you? Not too bad, mate. How are things? Things are good, actually. Thanks. It wasn't the greatest weekend, I suppose. But, uh, you know, a lot of the talk, even last night and and, and on, on some of the coverage over the weekend, has been kind of the age old, I suppose, where are we going with the weaker counties and so on and so forth. But I wonder is a bigger story, given what we saw last year, just how much uh, Kerry Donegal and Mayo kind of clearly put into that game. There's no messing this year, I get the sense. You know, there was an average of an 18-point win. Um, the scores even in the three games were remarkably similar. Mayo 323, Sligo 12 points, Kerry 322, Clare 111, and Donegal 225 um down 112 uh that's two division two teams that were just cast aside there you know yeah. it looks to me anyway like as if these teams are like we're taking no chances whatsoever this year and we're going for a hell for letter from the start yeah i think so i think definitely down here in Kerry. i think last year's hurt against cork where i genuinely have been saying continuously i think they took their eye off the ball and they weren't going to get caught again this year and to be fair like i think Clare probably outside of Munster maybe don't get the credit they, they deserve. They're a solid Division Two team. They're progressing all the time. So I wasn't surprised to see Kerry as ruthless as they were. Uh, Donegal, I felt as well last year, got caught. I think they they thought they'd get over Kevin. They didn't. And genuinely, they're outside of the Kerry team, obviously, they were one of my favourite teams to watch at the moment the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So your teams just know you can't take your eye off the ball at the moment, but the divide seems to be getting bigger. And for the teams, let's say like Clare, that are progressing, this could stop that progression or even bring them backwards because there's such a delay now between when they play again. So, look, I suppose the format isn't ideal, but it's kind of been the hand we've been dealt with the last, what's been going on the last year and a half. But it, it'll be interesting going forward, even next year, have these teams gone further behind the, the bigger counties. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 funny, like with Clare, who've had good runs in the qualifiers over the years, to not have the qualifiers there this year, regardless of Munster Championships and B Championships and everything like that. The the lack of qualifiers is a killer because Clare have this really good season. Everybody's very positive about them, and in their last two games, they come up against two of the best three or four teams in the country and in Mayo for promotion, and then Kerry in the championship, and then it's over. You know, and you've got you have to wait till next. February or whatever it is when they get mm. when 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 they play again to to build on that progress really tough. Oh, it is very tough, and like my big thing there is like it's obviously tough on the players that are there, but even the generation that are going to come after, you get them from them seeing these boys playing week in week out, going on a run in the qualifiers or pushing one of the big teams. 
to the last five or ten minutes and I suppose for the next seven, eight months they won't be able to watch these players playing at all. So it's it's a knock on effect of the current players that their progression and their kind of what they're trying to build is going to be stopped but then the younger generation aren't getting to see these players and be looking up to them we'll go into kind of the individual stuff on, on Kerry and kind of where, where they're going but I'm just wondering it's like you mentioned Donegal being one of your favourite teams but they had won 15 in the first half against Down now the fact that none of these three games were contests definitely took away from them in terms of like how how interesting they were to watch or how good they were to watch but the fact is massive scores from all three teams and we are seeing that it's been happening for a while now, but I think we're definitely going to see it this year that all-out attack seems to be the way that the big teams have decided is that if there is a way to stop Dublin, there's no point in putting 13 men behind the ball. That Those days seem like they're well and truly gone. Yeah, which is it's great to see. I think we all want to see scores. We want to see players taking each other on. Um, like that, I suppose, we're chatting off fair about the forward mark. I think... Um, you know, I think more and more players are going to stop taking the forward mark and actually have confidence in themselves to go one-on-one. I had this conversation with Ian McGee a couple of weeks ago. Um, when I started, you get a ball and you could turn and face your man and go. And you had the confidence that it was one-on-one. And as I got to the middle part of my career and latter stages, you were never one-on-one. There was always another man coming to cover, even two men coming to cover. So that was kind of it. That's, I suppose that's why things got a bit tighter and the scores weren't as good. But... We're seeing no defenders being asked to defend and a few of them aren't as good at defending as they are at attacking so it's great to see uh, how long it lasts is another thing but um like that i think the bigger teams as well they probably realize our defense isn't good enough to hold the dublin team but our attack might be good enough to put them under pressure so i think it's a case of look they've all tried this defensive thing to get over a team like Dublin, it, it just doesn't work. You're only drawing. It's like playing backs versus forwards. It doesn't work. And they have to come up with a new plan. So from a spectator's point of view, it's great. We'll get to see all this attacking football. But um, it'll be interesting coming later in the year when it when it does come to them crunch, crunch games. Are the managers brave enough to go, right, we're going attack versus attack? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But if you if, if you can't live with a, an attack, I think Kerry definitely jumps to mind. Um you know, the, the forwards all brilliant, I thought, um, on Saturday evening. Is there a sense, now, we could be jumping the gun here, but after the league and one game in the championship, is there a sense that Paddy Clifford is the missing link there between to bring all these talented players together? Because he, he was just fantastic at the weekend. And, you know, it's, it's funny, almost the older brother coming in, being yeah. uh, the person who's actually going to make that difference. Yeah, well, I think what he does, like, obviously, he's a fantastic footballer. He has all the skills. I think he... He highlighted that with the with the pass for Shawnee Shea's first yeah. goal. Like, um, not even just the pass; it was just the fact that the first instant get the head up, and he saw the pass, and he was able to kick it straight away. There was no look around for a, an easier option. There was a pass on. He drilled it was straight into the chest, which is a great skill. But he works like a dog. He's out around the middle. For me, the first thing he's going to benefit most is Shawnee out on centre forward, um, because that's that's a hard role. You know the way the wing forwards go; they kind of get drift. They drift backwards on and back and forth. So a lot of times if you're on the 40, you're on your own. And likes of Fitzgerald Stadium, Crow Park, there are big pitches to be over and back on your own. So Paddy comes out and he is that extra player there. So all of a sudden the carry backs coming out can transition that bit quicker because instead of having one person to hit who may be tired from the last run, you have two of them there. And the big thing then after that is he has all the skills um, to be able to link play and then finish play as well. 
Mm. And have they hit on something with like I, I can there's two more kind of things that I'm interested in looking at that carry forward line. The makeup of them would be um Paul Gainey playing in a kind of a new role. And I thought brilliant. I thought he looked like he had a new lease of life. And I know he played a few games in the league there. So and um uh Jim O'Connor in, in, in midfield just seems like that's the it seems anyway, and again, it's a very early stage, but from what from the evidence of what we've seen, that seems like that's the partner for David Moore and that in some ways we've been waiting for, like in terms of the yin and yang between them. Yeah, I think like Dermot Connor is just a beautiful footballer. He just glides across the ground as well. And he's starting to get, obviously he's got a bit more experience. He's been in the panel last couple of years now. He's getting stronger every year. And he's just so athletic. I thought actually at one stage, I'm going to keep him wing forward for another year. And Jack Barry would be in. But obviously Jack Barry got an injury during the league. Mm. Dermot Connor came in and you can't move him. At the moment, you can't move him. He's just playing too well. He's so comfortable on the ball. He can travel up and down. He is the, the carry midfielder for the next 10 years, you'd imagine. Um, and it, it's a great foil for someone like David to have that he can concentrate on fielding the ball and pass it off, that he doesn't have to be the guy going up and down the field continuously because obviously in his later years, it's, it's you just can't do it. So now he has someone with great legs that's well able to do the scoring as well. So it takes the pressure off him. Would you have any worries about anything you saw over the 70 minutes? Um, it's, it's hard to say worries, I suppose. They started so so well, they were always going to drop off at different stages because I suppose, realistically, the game was over very early. Um, I suppose the big worry was, like, I, I I always expect Kerry to win well. I did think that, uh, that Clare would cause him a few problems in the attack because they're very direct. They should have had a goal early on as well. There was a great ball in by Tuberty. Um, I remember he got the end of it trying to punch it in, but they created a few chances. But I think that's a great thing. I wouldn't call them worries. I think it's a great thing that Peter Key and the management will be at a pinpoint. Look, a fella got in there, or he's too open. Um, so there are, like, not worries, but there are definitely places where they can improve. Like that Paul Murphy didn't play the weekend. He's the captain. Yeah. He's an ever present since 2014. Tyg Morley, very similar. You'd expect him to be on, didn't start. So all of a sudden, they have a week. Or two weeks after uh, this week, eleven AVB. You can imagine the pressure now on the the six starting backs that you have two regulars itching mm. to get back in there. So it's it's probably good. It's a good thing for Kerry at the moment that all of a sudden they look like they have a bit of competition in the backs. Mike Breen from Beaufort. I played with Mike the last couple of years with me. Kerry, very quiet, unassuming guy. But I always always be laughing. Kind of, he's like a Rolls Royce footballer. He never seems to look flustered, he just cruises up the field. You'll be kind of saying at times, Jesus, will you go, will you go? But no one gets close to him. So whatever way he's doing it, he's doing it well. So he's coming in and done really well. So I'm delighted to see him um, playing so well. Yeah. Okay, well, good stuff for Kerry. They have a long old Munster Championship run this year. They might have to play three games. So it's, it's tip neck in a couple of weeks. But um, the Donegal game, they have the longest route of them all. They have to win uh, You know, the four games through. Uh, they've got Derry up next who are... Um, you know, on fire really, and and kind of blew everybody away in Division Three in, in, in the football. But the big worry, I suppose, like they they played well, and there's there's lots lots of positives to take from it. It wouldn't be a it's not a negative Donegal conversation. But you know, Michael Murphy, we didn't think he was going to play. We didn't think he was ready, and he scored a lovely point straight on. You're thinking, oh, maybe he's okay, and then you see him pulling up with that hamstring. I know you've had issues in the past, Darren. You've talked about it. You know where. You know, maybe you put your body through too much. You've tried to play on through injuries. You came back too soon a few times. Those things don't do you a whole lot of good in the long run, you know. And look, Donegal want Michael Murphy to play. Michael Murphy wants to play. But it looks like a bad decision today, doesn't 
Yeah, it was one of them ones. It's 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 risk reward. He starts, he gets point. You're thinking happy days, and then he's gone. You're there automatically thinking, oh, I should have left him off. Mm. Like it, it's a very funny one. I don't think any other county has a player like Michael Murphy that really drives the whole thing. Like he's been doing it since eighteen and captains at twenty two. It is a one if he's. Anyway, fit you can imagine. Oh, look, we get him out there. We might be able to ease him through the game. But obviously, now with the injury, it, it just looks like a really silly decision. I think they would have won that game without him. Um, the fact that they have such a tough route, I can't see the sense in playing him. They have four games more than anyone else. And he's so important to him. Playing him through all them games, it just now all of a sudden, look, it's easy to say, no, hindsight's a fine thing, but it looked like a very silly decision now because. Hamstring injury, I don't care if it's grade one, two, or three, it's going to take time. And even if it's recovered back your mind, you will be thinking, this can go straight away. That's what I was actually going to ask you. There's so much with hamstrings. It can be the fact that they never fully prepare and they can niggle and they get away. But also, there's a there's a psychological... If there's one person you'd trust to get over a psychological issue, it would be Michael Murphy. But at the same time, it's always there, isn't it? As if I go full here, if I go for this ball, could could the year be over? Could the more than a year be over 100 percent, especially this year because you get a you get a semi bad ham, or hamstring or calf or whatever it is you're gone because like, mm. even if you only miss one or two games trying to get back up to speed that quickly i just don't think you can do it no i suppose he can change his game or it's not too explosive but the hamstring can go at the at any moment and like you said the psychological aspect of it oh, geez i'd say it was my last year carry i don't think i sprinted once Wow. You know, just the fear of it going and like that. If it goes on and gone for four, six weeks, whatever it is, then it's the bother of trying to get fit after being out for that amount of time. So, look, it was obviously a big risk. They're going in against Derry now. And look, Derry are going to be full of confidence. They've had a great league campaign, but it is Division Three. So, Donegal should be able to get over them without Michael Murphy if they are to be serious contenders. Absolutely, yeah. Another serious contender then, as I mentioned at the start, Mayo. So they lose. So like, maybe it's not quite their Michael Murphy, but it's not too far off in Killian O'Connor. And I was interested to see that Aidan O'Shea as the full forward. Where look, I mean, that's where we all remember him, even as a minor or in corner forward when he was uh, starting on the senior team as such a young man. But to see him back in there, kind of full time, and did stay in there for the game. Sligo, of all the teams, you know, we're talking about Clare and Down putting up whatever kind of fight they did. Sligo just, at the moment, at this moment in time, just not in a position to compete with Mayo. So it's hard to take anything from it. But would you see enough in O'Shea to think that actually, one, they can afford to lose him out the field a little bit for the bigger games, and two, that he can make that kind of Killian O'Connor impact, even if it is in a different style? Yeah, like you said, it'll be a totally different style. But I think to get the best out of Aidan O'Shea, Mayo have to change their style slightly. They're very much a running team. And there's no point running the ball and then trying to kick it in when there's bodies in front of Aiden because he has to work that bit harder to get frees than anyone else. You'd even see it the weekend. Every time he gave off the ball, there was always a straight fist coming in. And obviously, he's so big, he, he doesn't get frees as easy. I've always felt that he doesn't get the credit he deserves. But it's also because the style of play Mayo have, which is so effective for them, probably doesn't suit him. So I know I think they just need to taper it a small bit that they are looking up that bit quicker, kicking in. A few times they did kick it in early. He wasn't catching it with his hands outstretched over his head. He was catching it to the side. Hmm. 
And if you're a defender, you're not gonna you're not gonna reach around Aiden Shea to get that. And then the key thing for me is that the players know, right, when we get to this point in the field, it's going straight into Aiden. And then having the confidence, Aiden's gonna win it. I'm gonna run off him. And then as a defender, you don't know, right, is Aiden gonna go on his own? Or does a body come from his left and his right? So they'll obviously be working on in training because Killian's such a big loss to them. But mm-hmm. I definitely think Aiden can have a huge say in the championship, but it's up to the Mayo players and the management to find a way of fitting it, fitting in yeah. with him best. In a weird way, it's almost like he's replacing the Andy Moran role rather than the Killian O'Connor of kind of winning winning the ball and being there yeah. as the catalyst to either go himself or lay it off, isn't it? But that's exactly it. And even I think the most important thing important thing for me over the weekend was he got 2-2 mm-hmm. and it was great and that's just important he doesn't have to go out and try killing would kick one seven or eight do it out every game that's not it but being an option and a threat as a scorer is going to be huge because i suppose when he's out the field he isn't a threat as much and um, he's kind of left with a couple of yards of space because he's not a scoring threat whereas inside he's so close to goal he's going to be so dangerous as a defender you don't know if i get tight he's too big and strong he'll turn me but if I stay off him, GC can't chip this over, no bother. Mm. Yeah, they've got uh, Leitrim now in a couple of weeks in the other semi-final, so they'll, they'll, they'll have more of a chance to experiment without being too mm-hmm. disrespectful to Leitrim, and they'll have a keen eye now on Galway and Roscommon this week. But before I let you go, Darren, there's just some other matches I'd like not, not to even talk about in detail. There's like there's some headlines even the off, Offaly kind of getting that big win over Loud and, and them looking like they're kind of continuing that progress that they made through mm-hmm. Division 3. Wick, uh, Wexford having their first uh, championship win in a long, long time. But the one I wanted to mention just briefly was Limerick because I remember we were doing a show a couple of years ago. We were talking a lot about Division 4. There was a time where I was like, how has this happened? Limerick are genuinely and quietly the worst team in the country here all of a sudden. Do you know, and mm-hmm. you would have played against really good Limerick teams in Munster finals that like almost they would have caught nearly any other Kerry team at least once in that time but you guys were you know winning all Ireland's all the time back then but they really fell off and I, I think it's a sign of how far they've come in just a couple of years even that all the good work that we hear a lot about in Limerick hurling and stuff like that it's obviously across the whole organization there and they've really got it back together it's good to see for Munster isn't it I'm delighted I it was a couple of years ago now um I actually got followed on Twitter or Instagram by Limerick footballers and I was up in Limerick um, working and I was traveling around. I was chatting to a fellow involved and he was on about the underage structure and the work that they were putting in then. And it was a case of we're putting it in now so we can reap the rewards later. Yeah. And it wasn't a case of rushing and trying to fix it overnight. It was a case of, look, we've fallen so far. We're going to build. And they have, and it's great. And even last year, they were very close to being Tipperary and we would have had a very different year. I think it was Connor Sweeney got an outside the boot, outrageous effort that I think it was an equaliser in the game brought to extra time. Mm. So the progression, I, I genuinely, I think they'll go into this Cork game with a bit of confidence. You know, a lot of them are younger lads and uh, kind of come in over the last year. So they're used to win. They're, they're getting that winning feeling now. And I suppose they'll say to them, look, we should have beaten Tipperary last year. Tipperary went to beat Cork. Why can't we do it? Yeah. So look, for me, it, it's great to see because I would like that. I played in a lot of them really good Limerick games and, they were a great team and I suppose with the hurlers going so well and rugby being so big up there, football was what was sacrificed and what suffered. So look, it's great to see like Claire, like we've mentioned already, have been progressing lovely and be great to have Limerick progressing now as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, there's lots to talk about. We've seven teams are gone, but everybody else is still there and it's gonna be a good summer ahead, I think. I think we'll get we'll hopefully have some closer games to talk to uh when next time we have you on. But um Great chatting to you anyway, Darren. Thanks a million. All right. Cheers, mate. Talk to you later.
Great stuff. Darren is going to be with us throughout the summer. We'll talk to him on uh, Mondays um, on the show here. Don't forget, if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, to please subscribe to the channel. If you are listening on the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast. We are giving away a uh, GEA jersey of your choice uh, if you do so. So please just take a screenshot, send it to the gaffer at Balls.e, along with you know any championship stories that you might have, any photos of your your own championship summer you might not be in the ground but please do let us know how you're getting on and we'll talk about it on the show so do subscribe and you'll be in with chance of winning a gea jersey of your choice it's time to talk hurling now as i mentioned earlier in the show we've got shane mcgrath former tipperary captain and all ireland winner with us shane uh you were uh doing commentary on rt yesterday for the uh for the waterford clare match um, not the thriller that we were hoping for, but there was lots of interesting things in it all the same, wasn't it? Oh, there was, Mick, yeah. Um, it wasn't the thriller, no, and I, it kind of had of a opening of a feel, feel about it there, kind of challenge match thing in, in the second half especially, but like there was lots of interesting things, I suppose. What was one of the standout things for me? Like A lot of people were saying maybe the art of defending was kind of gone, Mick, you know, with the amount mm-hmm. of scores going on to the game and everything. I, I tell you, I, 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 Claire really brought that back yesterday and they brought it back in spades so much to the, the degree where if you look at even the match, there was a stage where I think it was Shane Bennett got, just got so frustrated with Claire constantly swarming him. And Claire's platform was set up um, on their half-back line. So what they were doing, Mick, was they'd have five guys across the half-back line, which allowed John Conlon to have one of the, one of the best games he's, he's ever had for Claire. But Shane Bennett got so frustrated with that constant swarm that he actually just dropped the ball. I think it was at Rory Hayes' ankles and just mm-hmm. let fly. And, and for me, that's a sign of a guy who's frustrated with like, I cannot get on a ball here because of the amount of tackling and the amount of swarming they're doing. And Claire yeah. brought that in spades. And what we've, I suppose, Mick, you see yourself and like all the lads see, what we're used to Waterford for under Liam Cahill is ferocious work rate first and foremost. And they were, as he said himself, they were as flat as pancakes yesterday. They were just dead. And you know what? In the final quarter, when they actually started working hard and brought on lads off the bench, they outscored Clare 9-4. But I was just looking through it there. Actually, five of their points, five of the nine points came from turning over Clare. So I suppose that's something for Liam Cattle to work on. But again, we just didn't see it. And, you know, uh, I think that's something that the Waterfalls really need to work on. Just get back to that culture of we work, we win kind of thing. Like, Yeah. It's funny you mentioned about the kind of losing the losing the thing. I, I was one of the Bennett's, it might have been Stephen. There was a, a point in the first half where he was just being harried and hassled and decided, I, what am I going to do here? And just threw himself head first into one of the Clare players and yeah. randomly got a free for it. But you kind of sense to yourself that was like that was a good moment for Clare, weirdly, even though Waterford scored from it because you're thinking there's nothing they can do here. They're just so frustrated. But why do Waterford now look? The last five minutes might give them that catalyst to go ahead. They've got a, a, a qualifier route that isn't too bad this year for the for the mm. team in the first round at the Munster Championship anyway. Why do Waterford do this seemingly every couple of years? Because we know all the talent they have. I think after all of the games this week, we have to wipe off everything we've seen in the league. We can't, we knew it at the time, but we wouldn't fully admit it to ourselves mm. that it was borderline preseason friendlies. But Waterford had their great year last year, two bad ones before that, a great one before that. They just seem to do this and you knew after 10 minutes yesterday that they were just they weren't there they weren't at the races yeah i i say this you know about the league right um someone said to me before the league now was as useful as a, as a handbrake in a canoe i think this year to a lot of people because like what did some players really get out of it they, they might have got on maybe pushed themselves onto the 26 but you know you even take especially 1b side of things you know um there wasn't really big tests in it like you know and some teams got 
some some things got out of it and maybe other managers got me said oh look this lad's actually in my top 20 but the league the league is the league and i could me and you couldn't sit here mick and we'd name the last 20 years who won lee mccarthy we'd struggle to name who won the league for the last five years and i think that's that's what it comes down to you know players want championships like so i think the Watford thing yesterday to be fair to them right and i think cahill has done a super job in creating that kind of culture of team first they only had seven of their teams starting yesterday that started the All-Ireland final last year, and that's a killer for anyone. And you think about the guys who are missing, Stephen O'Keefe is taking the year out, Ty de Borca is injured, and Ty de Borca is the best in the country at cutting off space. And that's where Watford fell down yesterday. They didn't cut off the space in front of uh, Tony Kelly. And to be fair to Caelan Lyons, it was hard going on him because there was 40 yards always in front of him. And Irla Daly, just, he, just, he just doesn't have that reading of the game that Ty de Borca has. Ty DeBork would have been over back there because he's so used to playing at me. And he just didn't have the reading of the game. And, you know, Jamie Barron's loss was massive in midfield because yeah. the link he creates between going forward, takes watching, but he's a massive between the two of them. And, you know, while the lads worked harder yesterday in Austin Gleeson and Darryl Lines, Darryl Lines is just not the same as Jamie Barron. And in fairness yeah. to Austin now, four points from play. But look, I think that's that's massive as well. I mean, any team that was missing eight players from their starting team got in final, Mick, you know, it's, it's going to be hard going to get a win like. And that's and it's a hundred percent fair enough, and it's one of those things that like it mightn't have been taken into account enough when people were doing some of their predictions for the game and and, and different things. Obviously, Shane, Claire uh, were missing Shane O'Donnell and stuff as well. But in terms of uh, Waterford missing all those players, it's a massive deal. And I don't mean to in any way, you know, you can't really lose Jamie Barron and Tyke Burke and even Stephen O'Keefe out of a hurling yeah. team and have a massive effect on you. But it doesn't fully excuse them not showing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, there is yeah. a difference oh, yeah. there, isn't there, in, the, in, in not playing well because you don't have the players and not... Yeah. Effort is the wrong word because you know they're trying everything. They're trying too hard, if anything, but they're not... They never. They didn't show up to their potential. They were beaten really early in the game, it felt to me, anyway. They were. No, you're on the money there. Like, and that's and I think that's where the kind of the frustration came from Liam Cahill and even Mikey Beavins was, was kind of at the far side as well. It pitched roar messages in, which, you know, good for times I got to see them last year as well didn't really have to do that as much because it was just happening on the field from they were putting in that effort but there just there wasn't that work right there yesterday like and i mean i mean you look at the first quarter claire seven points to three but claire had nine wides in the first quarter it could, be, it could have been 14 15 three like there was no pressure being put on the claire half back line and conlon had a massive game now don't get me wrong but there was no pressure being put on the ball being delivered in and like you know Caleb lines inside well, well he was a frustrated figure and connor gleason back there as well but like what can you do mick if Lads out the field are getting are getting time to get their head up. And in a, in a pitch like Simple Stadium, it's so wide, the grass is so nice, and they're just bouncing that ball in front of him. And I think that's where the frustration from Cahill came in. That was fairly evident, you know, that from the even the substitutions he was making, like, you know, he was he was looking at guys. And I tell you, look, Liam Cahill, he'd be very well known in tip and Watford, like, you know, that he has a way of doing things. And if you're not willing to work hard or put it in, you're not going to mm. stay in the field. And that didn't happen yesterday, but... I suppose, whereas last year, they might have had stronger guys to bring in. They might have had as strong as guys to bring in today or bring in yesterday. So, you know, that's that's where the frustration came. But look, it, I think the last quarter will be, we'll give, them a, we'll give them a bit of hope going forward to the next day, get bodies back. And you know what, Mick? I think they'll get a good run in the qualifiers. Yeah. They're, they're, they're way better than whoever lost in Leinster over the weekend, to put it like that. Yeah. And they'll get a run. I, I do feel that they will feature quarterfinal stage at least and, and, and probably back into a semifinal again, like. Exactly, if they can get it back together, which they didn't do in 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 twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, in the with insanely tough monster championship group stages, it never got a chance to do it. Yeah. But 
uh, yeah, they, they still could have a part to play. Look, uh, Shane, uh, cards on the table here. I'm a Clare fan, a Clare man, and despite the Dublin accent, I, I wore white and started to talk about Waterford to hide my bias. But uh, talking to people yesterday at um, in Clare, um, the overwhelming sense is if we you said beforehand we you know lose Shane O'Donnell um go out and beat Waterford by four points and go on you'd be delighted with things but yeah people were disappointed after the performance they thought that there was a there was a chance there for Claire to put down a real marker to, to hammer Waterford really and they were wasteful at times yeah. and you know they, they had some good performances Tony Kelly there obviously played very well scored some lovely scores from play but the shooting from out the pitch, 22 wides is an insane number, the same amount of points as they got in the game. 122 wouldn't have beat, I, I would have um, just about beat uh, Antrim at the weekend and wouldn't have beat Leash. I know they're different games and that's mm. the silly way of looking at it, but just, it's not a good score these days. Um, is it, there's two fields of thought. The Clare fans are all negative about it and it's terrible. And then I've heard other analysts say, do you know what, the fact that they're getting those amount of chances, yeah. you know, wides isn't the symptom. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, just a, what happens on a day. Do you know what I mean? Which, which, which camp would you fall into? I'm in, I, I'm in the camp of if you don't shoot, you don't score. And I think there was up around 90 scoring chances yesterday. And I think Claire maybe had 49 of them. So yeah. like they, that just shows me the the dominance they have. I put it like this. I saw someone coming out of the same stadium yesterday, Mick, and they said to me, that was, that was a four point hammering. And I think that's that's the best way to put it. Like it was a four point hammering, like four points. They were clear away better. One eighteen to twelve points coming into the final quarter. Water bring the guys off the bench to get four points from play from their bench. Bench was brilliant off of Water yesterday, but Clare were were way by far the better team in every asset of the field. Their work rate and everything. David Reedy, like for an example, there's a guy who's really enjoying his hurling there. Like I I, I worked with him there in LIT. I was involved with Fitzgibbon a couple of years ago. Wasn't enjoying his hurling a couple of years ago. What was was thought it was too much of a job merely to go play hurling. Now he's enjoying his hurling, is relishing it, gets two points for play. Aidan McCarthy didn't see much of him for the last couple of years. Three points for play yesterday. You know, Cullum Galvin is back, sitting deep, mm-hmm. getting that spraying that ball around. David McInerney comes on yesterday as a blood sub and then comes into the fray, got on the world of ball there on the at the at the far side from where we were like and looked really good on the ball. So I mean, Claire are going into this in a really good place. And you know, like Tip and Claire. I think I was, I was talking to John Conlon briefly uh, after the match yesterday, and uh, one of the last times Tip would have played Clare in the Gaelic Grounds. Now, we played him in 2011, but one of the last, the other time before that was 2009, Munster semi final, and that was John Conlon's debut. And, you know, th- we've played five times since. F- Tip have won four, Clare won one. Remember 2018 there, the balls were hitting the post at either side in Simple Stadium, and, uh, and, and Clare, yeah, and Clare, and Clare go through and Tip go out, but there, there's never nothing between them. I think there was. There was a kind of a bad bit of rivalry there, Mick, for a few years in the late nineties, especially, you know, um when when we we're like especially ninety-seven, the all in the final and Jeannie down around Ballina, Killaloo, you you would be afraid to cross the bridge there in case something was going to happen either side. But like what I what I feel is that Claire are going into this probably will people probably still be slight favourites. Um, but I'd say, you know, Claire are going into it in a great place, as you said. Um, they have all their best players back in the field now. Um, I, I'm not sure what Shane O'Donnell's story will be. Will, will, will it be too soon? But you know, yeah. with the concussion, he could he could be back. You know, and Dave McInerney being back is massive. Connor Cleary was good yesterday. I think Rory Hayes has been outstanding for Clare this year so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was at a couple of league games, especially above in Parnell Park against Dublin. He was brilliant. Yet he was brilliant that day. He was brilliant yesterday as well. He really was. He he knows his job, Mick, and he does his job very well. Dermot Ryan's not afraid to score. Scored a point from play. You know, and as you said, the aforementioned Tony Kelly won twelve yesterday. You know, 
if do do you go man marking him like tips man marker for tony two years ago if you remember was brendan maher so will they do the same i don't know but it's all the one mick who man marks him if you don't cut off the space in front of him because if he yeah. has space you could have three lads on him with cattle prods and everything trying to bring him down which is a waste of time because if he gets a ball in space he's so good left mm-hmm. right his agility the way he just glides across as well and even the last point he got from playing mick yesterday was class it was it was yeah. probably the closest point he got all day but he really had to sharpen the grip flicked it over clear yeah. four points up and, and really you know really says game over like so yeah there's a part of me with tony kelly that thinks like it's have we wasted have i have uh, not enjoyed him enough i suppose like he's, he's still only 27 he's got years to go but one of the things in the last couple of years is seeing him inside and coming towards the ball is just something we haven't seen enough of him in his career and it just seems to have given him that lease of life he doesn't have to be in there the whole time but when he is you just get an extra bit of Tony Kelly, don't you, that we just haven't seen enough of? Yeah, with, like, where does he do most of his hurling for Ballyhay, I suppose, out around midfield? But yeah. Ballyhay would, would play around Tony, like like all like all good club teams do, like Ballyhay will do with TJ. You play around him, you give the ball to Tony if he can shoot, and if not, you try and solo, and you still give the ball to Tony. So it's like, you know, in fairness to the Clare boys, they know that they have a class act in Tony Kelly, like, and they're mm. willing to maybe sacrifice a bit of their game to get Tony Kelly on the ball, and he's... He's like, you know, even his interview after the match yesterday, listen to him, you know, he's, he scored, I scored one twelve five points from play. Any lad would just be delighted with five points from play. But he said, you know, I left four or five behind me. Like Tony Kelly could have scored 118 yesterday. He, yeah. he, he, did, he had a couple of uncharacteristic wides, um, even, even by his standards, like, you know, even even missing a free or two here and there. But uh, he's he's just he's just a class act. I love the way Shanahan and himself play together. I think potentially um, that's, that's serious. Like it's funny, isn't it? Funny that Aaron Shannon didn't score from play yesterday. Mick. He could have scored three, four if, if the shoot if the shooting boots were on. Like you know. So, but I loved I loved the point they got the link play that they had the understanding they had with each other. Shannon touched it down. He knew Tony Kelly was coming. Just popped it off to him. Tony Kelly off his left hand side over the bar there in the second half. So I think they they have serious potential of of, of being really good together. But you know. What will Tip do with him? Uh, I don't really know. As I said, you have to mark the space, cut off the space in front of him if he's inside. If he goes out the field, then you know it might be a little bit easier to mark him out the field, Mick. Just the way the yeah. two half forward lines would play in the midfield, you'd have That's thirteen good. or fourteen bodies rather than one v one inside the forty-five. Because one v one inside the forty-five against him, no, you're not going to win that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can I talk about John Connell a little bit? And we might, we might get back to the tip match briefly. But um, he played centre back as he has throughout the league. Played a very, very good game. Was an extra man yesterday. Was a sweeper. And uh, it's funny. One of the one of the lads who has a much better memory than me pointed out to me uh, last night that we did an interview with with, with Conlon after the Leinster final in 2019 when Wexford beat uh, Kilkenny. Um, a separate interview about his thing and he talked a little bit about the sweeper role that he was having to deal with at the time as a full forward not be mm. in and he just gave some very interesting quotes remember that Porrick Walsh um set very deep kind of almost behind the full back line in that match and um it didn't really work out but it was just interesting that Conlon said at the time you need to cut out and read the game to help out the defense especially when you have a sweeper a, a cornerback just needs to get it down and get it, get it to the ground I would have been very critical of the Kilkenny sweeper Porrick Walsh Wexford targeted hitting the ball down the middle. That's where Porrick Walsh can't be going up for the high ball. That's what Wexford want him to do. He needs to read the break. The sweeper needs to protect the D and be 25, 30 yards out, cutting out those deliveries, getting to the breakdown and covering the goal threat. He was too deep. He was nearly in behind alongside the fullback. You must be um, the man sitting 5, 10 yards in front of him 
cutting it out and or, or getting the break. And that was him speaking on the 1st of July 2019 to Paul Sully. Mm-hmm. Now, it just it shows to me, one, just a thought process that that man has, that like he never played in that position. He's been a forward as long as I've watched him hurl anyway. I know he maybe played there once or twice for Clara. But... Um, He's also it's exactly what he did pass yesterday, didn't he? He got the the he was there for the ball when it was into space when it was like his ball to win. But he was also the amount of little I remember Dermot Ryan had like a flick at one stage, like a, a borderline ground ball, which you just don't mm. see players do anymore. And that's because Conlon was there to wipe it up. And he, he was there to defend the goal when he needed to be as well. He got a great block later on. Like he just had one of those games where he played that role to perfection. He did, he did, right? But I I I, I would agree with what you're saying. I thought he did it very well. I thought all the players around him allowed him to do that as well. Like, if you think about it, right? Yeah. I was just going through stats there, okay? Warnford would have went long 21 times with their puck-ups. So long being maybe going past the 65 midfield. They won seven of them. So seven out of 21, it's not a great return. Whereas Clare would have went long 20 times, they would have won 12 of them. So they had more ball winners to go along. But why, why was that? And for me, from being there, Mick, it was this, like, Dermot Ryan, John Conlon and Paddy Fitz are their half-back line. Colum Galvin is sitting deep. Kyle Malone and Ryan Taylor nearly play back in front of them for breaks. So mm-hmm. John Conlon had five lads around him there yesterday that he that rarely he had to compete. Like Now, one, he made an unbelievable catch of a ball there in the, in, the, in the first half. But if you look at it, he's usually back in space, left or right, because you have five, six bodies there that are working really hard. And he is a serious distributor of the ball. And, and like... Talking about yesterday, people, he was a forward before, so therefore he knows the type of ball that they want in. But you remember that pass was like Tom Brady-esque over the top to Aaron Shanahan there in the first yeah. half. Shane Fives just gets the sin bin. Like, that's some vision and some strike of the ball, but that's also a lad hurling with confidence. Because if yeah. you're not hurling with confidence, you're not taking that on. And that's what John Conlon was doing yesterday. All-star form two years ago, you know, up in the forwards. And I think he's hurling with the same confidence now as he was then, back centre-back. You know, I was actually with Clan Lara for a year, and I talked to him yesterday after the match. I said, geez, we should have played your centre-back all the time rather than playing him in the forwards, you know. But, like, he looks so at home there. But it's, I think all the bodies around him really helped him as well. And, again, Watford not pressing. Watford did not press him any time. Look at the amount of time John Conlon had in the ball. John Conlon knows he won't have the same time in the ball next week against Tip in the Gaelic Grounds. But I'm sure he'll adapt because he's yeah. a lovely striker of the ball. His vision is very good. And, and as we said, you can't beat the experience of actually being in there knowing this is the type of ball I'd like to get. And I think yeah. that's... That's that's what made John Conlon, you know, man of the match yesterday, like really. Yeah. So that the, my thing is like it, it, it clearly shows that they think about it as a team as well. Like you know, it, it's not a one man job being a sweeper. It's just part mm. of the system. You will be the one who ends up on all the ball, but you're not going competing to make it a two on one or anything like that. You're no. there in the right place at the right time, and it's a harder yeah. job than it looks sometimes. I think as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what about then? So so Claire and Hip, we've we've some of the other games to, to briefly talk about before we go, but. There's a sense in me that if Tip come out, if Tip's forwards fire in a way that is isn't as guaranteed as it would have been two years ago, was that fair to say? Then Clare could be in trouble. But you know, where does do Clare play seven backs? Do Tip probably only play five forwards? Really, the way they've been playing it, the, the matchups, the potential matchups for this one are intriguing, really. They are, yeah. And I think what Tip have gotten out of the league, Mick, is that they have a really, really solid um, backline now. You know, you potentially be looking at maybe Barrett. Um, Parik Maher and Barry Heffernan, really good, solid full back line. Then we're looking at maybe Shamie Kendi, Brendan Maher, Rona Maher, potentially, you know. So it's mm. the backs, it's a really, really solid back line. And I'm sure Liam Sheedy, you know, you don't want to be conceding. And in fairness to, the, to, to that group of backs when they play together, they don't want to be conceding. I suppose the, the, 
the question for Tip is from there up, where do you play people? Because the Bonner thing is 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 a big factor. You say if you take one for two weeks ago, Tip would have played him in the league and just didn't have that work rate, maybe that intensity, that ferociousness in the half hour time, which they might get from Bonner. Also, Niall Amara was out with appendicitis. He had to get his appendix removed as well. So he was missing. He brings a work rate and intensity. What do you do with Dan McCormick? Because he does bring that work rate and intensity, but is his best place midfield or half forward? So like mm-hmm. I could name off seven or eight tip forwards for you there now. But you can have all you know really, really good hurlers, but you do need that ferocious intensity and work rate. And we've seen yesterday at Watford, they didn't bring it and Claire destroyed him. So tip will be like, you know, where will Noel play? Will will, will Bubbles play? Shane will probably be in, you know, uh, John McGrath's hitting form again. Jason Ford will obviously be on the team. Jake yeah. Morris will he feature. But what I'm saying is you do need that dog. That you need you need, you know, out of the six forwards, you need one or two guys to say, I'm just gonna all I'm about today, my scores today are gonna be hooks and blocks. That's my scores. And, you know, in fairness to Sheedy, you know, he, he gives massive credit to the guys who do that. No more so than Liam Cahill, no more so than Brian Lowen. Mightn't get the seven, eight, nines on the paper, Mick. But then, mm. you know, if you come choose a night when you're watching video, the group will say, you know, you, you were man of the match today because you got six, seven, eight hooks blocks and that helped other guys score. So I just think it'll be interesting the way Tip picked their team. I think, you know, you, you, Liam has a fair idea of his top 20, but how, how, how he lined them out will be very, very interesting with, with the way Claire played at the, at the weekend, Mick. But... I we we're not being biased around low. My, my my heart obviously says tip, but I just think we're 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 got all our best players back on the field. And mm. I, I know the boys like playing the Gaelic ground. It's been good to tip over the years. And um, even to go back to 2016 was their final massive massive win against Watford there. Like so uh, I I do think that uh I do think the tip boys uh I, I do think they'll win at the weekend, yeah. Yeah. Be interested to see how the the seventy minutes championship intensity versus the fresh legs. The, you never really know. There's always no. whoever wins. It's always that's the reason. Do you know what I mean? But it, it yeah. changes every year on that one. But it's it's weird. We don't have time to go into it now. But it's so weird that you mentioned uh, the dog in the tip the defense because one of the topics I was going to have and I didn't think we had time for it was I thought that Cotton Malone played very well in the first half yesterday. I was thinking he's one of those players that the Clare fans always give dogs abuse to, but yeah. managers love him and teammates love him. And mm. I think Dan McCormick is probably that player for tipping. It is that one. There's always a player or two on every team. As you said, they don't get the seven or eight nines in, in, in the um, in the paper. But if a manager is consistently, if different managers are consistently picking the same players, we should probably accept that we probably don't see that the work to do. Yeah, that's it. And like even Tori Kelly said it yesterday. Like, I mean, geez, let's do... Do you think do you think you just pluck John Conlon, John Conlon out centre back for the crack and throw him in there and never played him in training? Sure, he's obviously flying in training yeah. and internal games at six as well, like and obviously doing a super job to play him there. But yeah, you're dead right. I think all the successful teams need the couple of guys that do sacrifice their their game a small bit for for the team. And like you know, at the end of the day, the team wins, everyone wins, you know, and that's what it's all about. But you need the couple of guys to do that. Look at look at Colin Malone yesterday, Mick. He doesn't get credit for it. Austin was going through off the hurley, went wide. But you know, if Colin Malone didn't make the, the selfless run to get back and just put a bit of pressure on him, he would have slotted it over the bar no bother, brought it back to make three points at the time. Mm. But that's what Colin Malone does for you. And as I said to you, you mightn't get the all-stars for it, but you know what? You will you'll get the respect of the group. And I think that's that's what a lot of guys want and now he has his team through to the next round and look that's that's a massive win for the group like absolutely yeah before we go the the dublin Antrim game i think in, in sadly i kind of think we we sort of saw it coming with leash a little bit given how they were kind of performing the league and they're in a kind of a, a, a regrouping point but we probably thought there was more coming from Antrim and i wonder did we see the difference in as 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 darren gleason mentioned you saw him on the sunday game last night yeah. in league very very different thing and different again to the john mcdonough but for me there was du- dublin 
talking about all the best players being back, it felt like Dublin had that spine again that we haven't seen in a couple of years. I've lads on fire as well with a couple of new guys kind of coming through. And I wonder, while all the talk was about Antrim coming into it and how far they've come, and they absolutely have, and it shouldn't be underestimated, were Dublin one of the teams that we shouldn't take their league form too seriously and that they could actually, they beat Galway only two years ago and knocked them out of the championship, you know? Yeah, I tell you, I made a call during the week. I actually, I actually really thought Antrim had a chance in this, you know, and I got, I got dogs abused on Twitter over. But you look, what do, what do you do? Like, but uh, like, well, for for me, what it was, I was actually in Port Leash two years ago, Mick, when 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 Leash turned over Dublin, and you know, maybe they just didn't foresee it coming. Leash wrapped winning the Joe McDonough. It was on in Port Leash. There was a massive crowd there. There was a football match on before, mm. and and there was a real good feel factor. Eddie Brennan was involved. And that just drove them over the line and they got a massive win. And I know that would have really hurted Maddie Kenny, like as a successful guy coming in, what he do with Kula. I think there was no, there was no cat. The cat was out of the bag, basically, for, for Dublin going in facing Antrim Saturday. They knew what they were going to bring. You know, Antrim could afford to rest guys in their last league game against Antrim, against Leash, sorry, because they had done so well getting a draw against Wexford and beating Clare. So Dublin knew what was facing them. And I'd say they would have learned an awful lot and have a lot of hurt there from losing to Leash in 2019. And I think they learned an awful lot from that. Antrim, it just didn't happen from yesterday. 22 points, 15 of the points come from Kieran Clark and Neil McManus. So Darren would be saying to the rest of the group, look, lads, we can't depend on two guys up at Lee McCarthy level. You you probably will. Kieran Clark and Neil McManus probably win your most matches in the Joe McDonough Cup. And that's with all due respect to the Joe McDonough Cup teams. But it won't win, won't win you. Two, two players for, for a team like Antrim won't win matches um, at, at Lee McCarthy level. Uh, they were scoring averaging 25 points in the league, Mick. 22 mm. yesterday, nine or 10 of them are coming from freeze. It just didn't happen from, they were blown away. And as you said, Dublin, 331, they were a team, they were a team sending out a, a message to everyone yesterday. You know, maybe a lot of them, write, a lot of people writing them off, saying that they weren't good enough, This that Antrim could turn them over in Navin. They sent out a massive message yesterday. They, like, regardless who they were playing, massive confidence for the group. And as you said, look at their spine of their team. Owen O'Donnell playing well, Liam Rush playing well. And for me, you know, we all know Donald Burke is such a good striker of the ball, averaging, I think he was averaging something like 12, 12 or 13 points a game. Mm. Like, again, yesterday. But for me, one of, the, one of the big, big guys for them, and Ronan Hayes playing really well, but Danny Sutcliffe is hurling yeah. some stuff at the moment. And he's catching the ball. He's watch If, if kids watch him or anyone watches him, he changes, he'll have the hurling this hand, he'll change it over, he'll snap it in the wrong hand, so hard to defend against, and he's so good at it. But he's a real leader for them. The amount of ball he's winning, throwing it off the guys, I think he popped up with three points himself yesterday. So he, he he's enjoying his hurling as well, playing the best stuff we've probably seen him playing a long time. And that's massive for a group like Dublin as well. So really good spine of a team, massive confidence going in. And um, but I think Galway are, are on a revenge mission from 2019, Mick, from yeah. what the, what happened with the score difference in Parnell that day. And that's still fresh in a lot of their minds. So yeah. can, I'd say I'd say that's definitely going to be said in, in, in the dressing room this week uh, amongst the Galway guys who've been there for a few years anyway. Yeah, they definitely won't be taking them lightly. But that is the thing. This weekend, it's four. There's three, three uh, semi-finals on the Saturday. We've got Tip and Clare on the Sunday. Cork and Lim- you know, Cork and Limerick. It's it's sneaking up on us. Like we're this when we talk this time next week, Shane, we'll know who they're in the, yeah. the Leicester Munster finals. There'll only be two weeks of the championship gone. It's a, it's all going to happen very bloody fast this summer, and teams will get left behind. That you'd almost think like you know, they, it'll just happen and you'll yeah. be gone and. Uh, mm. It's just—it's a weird one, isn't it? It's very yeah. weird to think that we have so many. And games. the calendar—the calendar is hectic, Mick, isn't it? You know, if 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 you lose next weekend, you would have—you'd be out in qualifier tenth, seventeenth, quarter final, twenty fourth, all Ireland semi final. Mm. There's no break. Like losing yeah. next week means you are you are out. Bang, 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 bang. Winning next week, and you have a, you have a break of two weeks to reset, refresh, look forward to a provincial final. So next week it is massive. This weekend, 
you know, let's be fair to the, to the Wexford Leash match and the Dublin Anchor match. They were they were grand. There was one real championship match, I'll call it, really, in my opinion, Watford and Clare. You know, Clare are a much better team. Hopefully next weekend now we'll get we'll get with four semi-finals. Hopefully we'll get a couple of home dingers out of that and uh, we'll, we'll get the championship going. And as, as as we're all saying, Mick, let's get bums back on seats as well. You know, I mean there was yeah. more people there was more people at mass yesterday morning around here than there was inside the Torres watching Watford Clare. So hopefully well, we'll get yeah. hopefully that'll happen. Not helped by a double header in Port Leash, I have to say, on uh, on Saturday for the Leinster semi-finals, which isn't uh, which isn't ideal, I would say, considering mm. that's even that's even half and the the measly allocation as it is. But sure, yeah. we'll there'll be more it's on that. I'm sure. Point, yeah. but, mm. uh, Shane, thanks. That was brilliant, brilliant to chat to you. And I, I, look, I think I'll have to I'll have to put a time limit on these conversations because we have four <laughs> real matches to talk about next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm miles over on just one this week. <laughs> No matter. Sign a sign, sign of a good chat, Mick. <laughs> Thanks a million, Shane. Shane right, us again uh, next Monday to talk about, uh, the, as I said, four provincial semi-finals in the hurling. So a huge amount to look forward to. We're really getting into the championship so quickly. Uh, now, don't forget if you've enjoyed that ch- chat. Uh, if you're out list- watching on YouTube or anywhere else, or if you're listening on the podcast, please do subscribe to the pod. Of course, if you do so. Take a screenshot of uh, you subscribing, send it to the gaffer at Balzari, and you'll be in the draw to win a county jersey of your choice. Now, you might want to pick an away jersey because there's some nice ones this year. Our man Finch, who's been looking at all kinds of things uh, in GEA over the last few weeks, has had a look at all 32 of the away jerseys for the 2021 season, and he's ranked them. Have a watch. A little while ago, we did our home jersey ranking for the 2021 GEA Championship. Well... Now it's time to do the away. Of course, in some cases, counties use their goalkeeper jerseys instead of away jerseys. So that's exactly what we're doing here. But either way, you're probably going to disagree with us. So get down in the comments below. So without further ado. This Longford effort looks an awful lot like that O'Neill's template from 10 years ago. And nothing's changed since. We get what they were trying to do with the monotone look here. But if there's no amber, we are not feeling it. It's just a rehash, a reversal of the home kit, and we don't like that, so we don't like this. Were they going for a coffee look for this Sligo kit? It's strange, and not in the good way. Probably for good reason. We haven't actually seen anybody wear this kit. It's just too bland. We love a simplistic template, but if this was predominantly white, this would be an absolute winner. Listen, it's better than the home kit, but that doesn't say much. There's just, it's just missing a certain je ne sais quoi. A Carlo, you've got a manic colour scheme, but this is just completely underutilised. It looks like a bad train on top. It's plain. They've had lovely green jerseys down on Westmead, but this isn't one of them. The reversal of Fermanagh's home kit actually works an awful lot better. Uh, it's still fairly low down. Just reversing a home kit doesn't mean that it's going to be a hit, and this is a prime example from Kildare. Boring. We appreciate the strange infusion of the O'Neill's tree stripes. This one doesn't particularly catch our eye. Your eye is drawn to the bottom left torso, and that's it for this Dublin kit. That navy is just so dull. This template works a million times better as an away kit for Leitrim. This is a clean effort. Whilst we admire the geometric pattern on this Tipperary kit, it's a tiny bit of an eyesore. Yes, it's another home jersey reversal, but we like the template here, and this is a clean effort. Simple, to the point, clear, clean as anything, you've got to respect them. The away jersey doesn't come close to the home jersey, but that's just how good the home jersey is. This is a clean effort from Offaly. You have to admire the mead jerseys just being completely out there. We actually quite like this away kit, surprisingly. 
This down jersey could use more yellow, but that's just a small gripe. We quite like this. And look at this funky effort from the tribesmen. If that's what an away jersey's all about, go a bit haywire with it, lads. Whatever this shade of green on this Antrim away jersey is, it works. We're big fans of this. Listen, Monaghan have cracking jerseys. This away jersey's no exception. Big fans. It may be a bit too close to the home jersey, but you have to admire Azuri for going mad on these Waterford kits. It's a red Tyrone jersey. That's all we have to say about that, a red Tyrone jersey. Again, if you go a bit haywire with your away jersey, we respect it at balls.ie. But, sometimes simplistic is the way to go, and Cork have done that to absolute perfection on this away kit. This is a cracking bit of kit, and that upper torso design is an absolute joy to behold. Much like their Ulster neighbours Monaghan, you can always count on Cavan to produce a cracking kit. Top 3 is nothing to be sniffed at. The inclusion of the names of every club in Limerick is a nice touch as well. We're telling you lads, go a bit haywire. Look at that for a kit, absolute stunner. Fair play to Aoife Dunn from Swinford. The 6 year old designed this jersey and it is clearly the pick of the bunch this year. And we'll have more from Finch across uh, the summer on GEA Embedded. Uh, the away jerseys, that's right, to be joined by Gary and PJ to guess the handicap, which we'll do in a second. But Gary, you had a part to play, if not entirely picked those rankings. Usually me and you completely disagree, but uh, I agreed with your top three there. Um, I presume most people won't, but if you do want to uh, leave a comment on why uh, we're all stupid, please do so uh, wherever you're watching the show. Uh, of course, if you want to... Uh, win one of those jerseys, just subscribe to the show, uh, send us a screenshot to the gaffer at ball screen the draw to win a jersey of your choice. But Gary, you, you defend the list? Yeah, to the death. There's, uh, there's, I, I think Mayo is definitely the best. Uh, and then like Kerry, you know, Cav and Monaghan, they're all they're always up there, aren't they? Wexford as well. So uh, yeah, I think this year there's some uh, some great efforts out there. But like, I don't know what it is about the GA, but it always seems like the away jerseys are way better than the home jerseys. Maybe it's just because there's always something a bit different instead of the same colours the whole time, but I don't know. I, I really like them this year. It's weird to say that. I kind of want them to have the same colours the whole time. I don't know what that is about <laughs> me, but like that me jersey is like, why isn't that just a plain yellow jersey with green sleeves? <laughs> it should be. PJ, I'd say you're more along the traditionalist lines like I am for that kind of thing. Uh, not yeah, I would be. White hoop is the space. Yeah, I, I quite I would quite like the Kerry blue away jersey. I, I thought that nah, I, think, I think I think it, it looks nice. I owned one of those a few years ago. I did like the uh, the gold one they had a few years ago, Will, that I think a former player designed. I don't know if you might remember him or not. Yeah, I heard I heard of him all right. Yeah, he might have uh, clotheslines in uh, different places. But uh, the meat jersey is bananas, <laughs> says John on Facebook. Agreed, but it's a kind of a good type of bananas. It's just, it's, it's a bit weird. They are goalkeeper jerseys as well, by the way, that are also masquerading as away jerseys, which is a fine GEA tradition in itself. I think, yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, only about half the counties actually have an official away jersey because they just don't need to use them that much. So, <laughs> yeah, but fair enough. Yeah, sometimes you just have to wait for a big All Ireland final between, uh, between <laughs> the same colour. Let's do guess the handicaps, lads. We're gonna do. Uh, the, look, I was talking to Shane about it. There, there's like it's such a massive weekend hurling ahead that like 
the fact that there's actually, I think, six championship games in football has kind of been, you know, and only four in hurling is, is it feels more like a hurling weekend. So we'll we'll talk about all those semi-finals, but there are some decent football games as well, and we'll get to one or two of them in a few minutes. But uh, starting off with that uh, that um, silly choice for a double header, I understand why Sky are doing the games, and you can't be sending out too many OB units, but. Considering only 200 people are allowed to go, it's a pity that uh, Galway and Dublin and Kilkenny and Wexford will take place in the same venue. But there are the fixtures that we're going to talk about here on Guess the Handicaps. But Kilkenny and Wexford. Gary, I believe you're the champion. I've lost track, to be honest, but uh, you've won most of the uh, most of the competitions so far this year. If anyone's listening for the first time, I'm going to mention the fixture. The two boys are going to take turns to who goes first. They're going to pick what they think the handicap is for the game. And whoever gets closest or on the money wins the point. Gary, Kilkenny versus Wexford. Wexford have had Kilkenny's number in recent years, but they did lose to them in the league. This is at 4.30 in Port Leash on, um, on Saturday. We're starting with the second game for uh, first for some reason. Sorry about that. But Kilkenny, <laughs> Wexford, what do you think? Yeah, like you're saying, Wexford have a really good record against Kilkenny in the championship. But I don't know. There was something about that league game a few weeks ago that it just kind of seemed like do Kilkenny kind of have Wexford figured out a little bit? I, like, I, again, you don't know how much you can read into the league this year especially, but I just have a sneaky suspicion that Kilkenny are going to are gonna come out on top here. Uh, and I think that they could be in, they're like, they're definitely been targeting the championship all year, as they do every year, but they're really going to want to make a statement this year, I think. So this is a massive game for both teams, obviously, um, especially with the way the championship is this year, with the back door, no round robin. I think Kilkenny will be favourites. I don't know. Maybe minus two, I think, would maybe be my prediction on that one for Kilkenny. 5.31 Wexford scored against Leash uh, on Saturday, PJ. And that was with going, basically, from what I could see in the highlights anyway, exclusively for goals for the last, like, 20 minutes of the game. Yeah, <laughs> so, they were they were so accurate in that game. They hit 5.28 from play. Of that, of that 5.31, 5.28 from play, only 13 wides. Like when you're taking as many shots as they were, 30 miles as well isn't isn't a whole lot. Um, it looked like a much better Wexford team. Than, like I know it was against Leash, but yeah. it looked like a much better Wexford team, more consistent one than we saw in the league. Um, I think it was ten point difference between the two teams in the league. The Kilkenny were consistent during the league up until that last game against um against Clare. Like they were consistent, not spectacular. They tried out a lot of players. Every time we mention a league here, I'll think back to Shane McGrath saying it's as useless as, as a as much use of a handbrake in a canoe. So, <laughs> but what else do you have to go on? I guess uh, I I had written down here um, as well. Uh, Kilkenny minus two. Yeah. I, well, okay. Yeah. You know, then I will say that that was Gary's guess, and yeah, there is a chance to steal here, which you don't often have. Oh. Sometimes I'm sending you off here to. A, a wild goose chase for five minutes while Gary's already got the right answer. But yeah, look, so, so that makes me think it's either Kilkenny minus one or Kilkenny minus three. So I'm going to go Kilkenny minus three. And you will pick up the point for that Kilkenny oh. minus three, which, like, to be honest, lads, the league be the league. I, if I was Davy Fitz and Davy Fitz is more like him than I am, uh, this will be going on the dressing room door because the record Wexford have had over Kilkenny recently is. Uh, is very, very good and seemed like they had their number. You said it might have turned around, Gary, and that's a feeling you have. It's obviously a feeling that the bookies have as well. Galway versus Dublin then. Dublin just just talked about them five minutes ago there with Shane. Uh, like, I don't know. I, 
I didn't enjoy the match. I have to say that there was almost too much scoring for me. But I did. I was impressed by Dublin. I thought that they were just very. Um, they just took care of business against the team that they were. Everybody was coming out of the woodwork to 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 um, tip for the game, and they hammered mm. them. You know, but Galway are a completely different matter. So PJ, two more leash on Saturday. So Dublin looks like they took a step up from the, like the, the type of hurling, the, the level of hurling they were playing in the league for that game, whereas Antrim are still, they, they, they were probably playing at their max during mm. the league, I think. Um, yeah, so Dublin won that game in the league by eight points and they won it by 18 at the weekend. 331 is like a massive score and it was a really good spread of scores as well, I think. Yeah. Like Donald Burke at 11 points, Ron Hayes 1-3, Keane Sullivan 1-2, one, one, Keane Boland 1-1. One, one. Um, but yeah, the, Galway is a whole different story. Uh, definitely like second best team in the country. I think generally, like no doubt. Uh, like, sorry, I, consensus kind of best team, like number two contender for the All Ireland after yeah. Limerick. Uh, like Brian Kincannon looked really good. Evan Nyland really good. Uh, Carl Mannion probably the best player I thought in the league. Uh, the whole different story. I like. Mm. I wonder if I gone too much yeah. here, but I think this is Galway easy favourites. Galway minus eight. Okay, Gary. I will give you the same courtesy that I gave PJ and tell you that you do have a chance to steal here. Mm. Yeah, it's like obviously Galway will be favourites and rightly so. It's kind of hard to know how much like credit will be given to how much notice will be taken of the fact that Dublin were so comfortable over the weekend because obviously this is a completely different task. Is it? It's just a question: Do I undercut or overcut? I don't know. I I think so. PJ said minus eight, was it? Yep. Right. I'll go minus seven. I, I I don't minus nine seems like a big one, so I'll go minus seven. That gets you the point. It's going oh, minus six. So uh yeah, it's one all here, both uh, two two against the serve points so far <laughs> as we move into Munster. Um so look, that's gonna be a really intriguing afternoon on Saturday. We move into like not to be Munster biased, but just the the, the two games in the Munster semifinals are just so mouthwatering. Uh, seven o'clock on Saturday night, Limerick versus Cork in Perlis. Um, Gary, you're up first in this one. All Ireland champions versus the team who um, excited people in like one game in the league. Therefore, everybody thinks that they're all Ireland contenders again. Is the way I'm going to put it, but uh, that could be unfair on Cork. And look, that's there. That's there for them to shove it down my throat on Saturday night. Yeah, like this is a massive occasion. It's just. I know there's going to be, I think there's going to be two and a half thousand people at this game. Uh, like looking at the games at the weekend, it was such a pity that you could, it was the, the crowds were missed, like especially for championships, just didn't feel like an occasion. Uh, I know a lot of people have been saying that. Been there, wasn't it, in a way? Because you, we had nothing at all last year and there was, you kind of got used to it. But mm. you could hear the crowds this week, this, so it kind of kept taking you out of it as if like nobody had shown up. Yeah. You know? Like, I know, like, and I know two and a half thousand people. I know, like, Tardis obviously holds whatever forty-seven thousand or whatever it is, so it's going to be not much. But you'd hope that we get some sort of atmosphere. But it should be a great game. Like, obviously, Limerick kind of struggled to find their feet in the league for a while. I don't think they really minded that, to be honest. Uh, so they'll be they would have been aimed for this game all along. <sighs> Limerick will be favourites. How much? Like Cork obviously had a good league as well. I don't know how much that will affect the handicap. I'd say maybe I'm going to go Limerick minus four here. I think. Nobody's hit one dead on yet. Another chance, PJ. Yeah. I I had a little bit more than that written down here. So uh, I, I think this is an interesting Cork team because they, they obviously, like, goals were a big thing for them in the league. They hit 18 
she's six more than I think Galway, who were the next best. Mm. Um, like I know they did seven of those goals were scored against Westmead, but even if you took that out, then it would be the second most in like in, in Division One this year, which is and they hit they did hit two like that league game they played against Limerick. You were looking at wondering, you know, they, they obviously weren't cooking with the full recipe. <laughs> When it big like the came to like the cookout, the the, the cookout like it was it was an absolute disaster. That game was over by half time. Car came into it in the second half, but like looking at they did hit two goals against Limerick. Uh, I, I I I'm guessing like teams are starting to think we're not going to score more points than Limerick, but we might score more goals than them. Yeah. I think we're going to get four in the league. Um, like an interesting Cork team. It's a young Cork team. Um, a lot of like so many of them are under 25. You've got like if eight eight from the team that lost the under 21 final three years ago have now made their senior championship debut. You're probably going to have a few more this week, uh, like in the coming weeks. I still Limerick are still favourites here. Like we all we all know how good Limerick are. I Limerick minus five. And Gary said minus four. It is Limerick minus three. Oh, lads, in a like. And maybe me knowing that uh, influenced my random attack on Cork before we did this because <laughs> I just feel that there's if you think that Kilkenny are minus three against Wexford and Limerick are minus three against Cork, those two the, the two of them being the same doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me. But look, we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, a lot of people know a lot more than I do. But um, Limerick minus three and Thurlis. We've talked a lot about the next game, lads, Sunday's game. Uh, so we might just quickly get the handicaps um, for Tip and Claire, and then we'll move on to the football. Um, it's 2-1 to Gary, but PJ, you're up next. Uh, yeah. I thought Claire, Claire looked pretty good at the weekend. A bit better than I thought they were going to be. Waterford were hurt by those injuries a bit more than we thought they would as well. Um, like when I take it a tip here, I think that last game against Waterford in the league where that the defence looked very, very, uh, very vulnerable. Yeah. I still think tip are favourites here. I tip minus two is what I'm going to say. Gary. Yeah, uh, I think Clare were much a better team and played okay without being all that impressive over the weekend. So I think minus two might be a little bit low. So I'd say minus three for tip. Okay. And again, nobody's right on, but it is tip minus four. Which gives Gary a um, so so by the way, tip uh, bigger favourites than Limerick. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. But that gives Gary a three-one lead here. So PJ's in a bit of trouble, and I don't have a tiebreaker, lads. So I hope to God. <laughs> we could have our first ever guest the handicaps draw. But let's move on to the football. We've been talking a lot about hurling. That's an incredibly enticing uh, weekend's action uh, to try and watch all four of those games. Uh, we'll take up the whole weekend, but. There's also time to squeeze in a football game, two o'clock, or is it two o'clock on um, on Sunday? It's the Sunday game anyway. Uh, Galway versus Roscommon in the Hyde. So it's actually probably Roscommon versus Galway. Uh, Connacht semi-final. Uh, who's up first here? Gary, I believe. Me, so, yeah. yeah. Me, like, Connacht Championship. It seems every year that there's just one result that kind of surprises us. Uh, like Either yeah. Roscommon win or Galway enters favourites against Mayo and Mayo end up hammering them or something. So... Could this be the one? I, like maybe Roscommon's record in the Hyde, I think, is okay. It's pretty decent against these teams in the Connacht Championship. Um, mm-hmm. they walked like they weren't great in the league, but that then again, Roscommon, you know, when we know when they're in Division One, that this, this tends to how how it goes between them. But Galway did give them a good, fairly big beating in the league as well. Um, I think Galway will be favourites. I'd say. 
minus three for Galway, I think. Okay. There's a chance here for you, PJ. Yeah, the battle of the relegated Division One teams here. Yeah. <laughs> um, like got like Roscommon beating Galway should not be a surprise. Like I mean, like two the like 2019, 2017 uh Connacht finals, Roscommon were relegated those two years as well. Mm. Something so you know, like league form, Roscommon going up and down the league, it's it's not a big deal to them. You know, it's kind of like it's what they do. Um yeah, I like the, I, I don't know what to make of this Galway team at all. Like it, that 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 league relegation game against uh, Monaghan. Like I I don't know how the hell they lost that. Like they really should have. Like that 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 losing point they that, that uh, Jack McCarthy like the winning point of Jack McCarthy kicked for for Monaghan was what a mess in the Galway defence. It, it's like that really kind of sticks out in my mind. Um, it's, it's like that, that was still a very good team, but I got undercut Gary a little bit here and say Galway minus three. I sorry, sorry, Gary. Sorry, sorry, Gary. Oh, the fact that you said undercut, even though <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give it to you. It makes it three two. You've got it bang on there. It is Galway minus two, as you said, PJ. I'm just intrigued by this game for Roscommon. You, you expect the unexpected with Roscommon. There's nothing they could do to surprise me in this game. So it's not even them, and that that means them winning by twenty points. By the way, but with Definitely. Galway, it's just like. There's a lot of people who want to see Porrick Joyce succeed and want to see. Galway play Galway style football after what we saw with what some people perceived as possibly missed potential under Kevin Walsh playing a certain way. Those days are gone. I think even if Kevin Walsh was still in charge, he wouldn't be playing that way anymore. But we want to see Galway kick on, but they've left us perplexed so far, I think. And I, I think the championship's all that's going to count. They have to go out and win this match and kind of win it with a bit of style, I think, mm. for us to kind of go into the what's going to be a Mayo Connick final with a sort of a bit of... Um, giddiness i suppose that you should hope when those two teams meet um anyway that's my take last game lads pj's chance to forget the first ever draw on gea embedded and uh note to mick uh to self uh have an odd number next week <laughs> awfully versus kildare i picked this one because we haven't talked enough about awfully the best game of the weekend in either either code by a mile um but not that many people would have obviously seen it live unless you're watching on gea go but they ended up winning by nine points in extra time, which mm. is an unbelievable thing in itself. Niall McNamee rolling back the years, but there's there seems like there's plenty more besides on this Offaly team other than the kind of the, the couple of well-known lads. You know, it's a, it, yeah. it seems like John Mott and BJ has done that kind of job where he's got together a real team here, you know. And I'm also glad that it didn't they didn't follow up playing a league. They they didn't follow up saying yes to playing football by being punished. And mm. losing for it, and everybody thinking that was a stupid idea. That's a good thing, I think. The like uh, something that stood out to me about uh, Offaly was Man Jamon saying yesterday that he thinks uh, Neil McNamee has improved over the last two years. Like somebody was like this, like Offaly legend already has so, somehow he has improved. So if he can improve it, if he can improve during Jamon's time, it, it makes you think like, well, other players have probably done the same as well. And mm. um, the thing, like this is Offaly will be Offaly's third week out. In a row here. I mean, like having uh, lost to Derry in that league final, uh, an extra time game uh, at the weekend. I, I think that's definitely going to take a toll here because I would have thought the Kildare would be favourites anyway. Um, loud, like, should be like Loud could have won that game. Yes, yeah, they, they, they had a, they had a chance right at the very end, of normal time. I think Samuel Roy um, missed uh, missed a chance. Um, Kildare, like, what looked like it was going to be a an indifferent enough season has turned into a good season for Kildare. Like they've they've been promoted, 
Um, they're going to like, I think, the, the open, kind of wider spaces of Port Leash. Uh, the Jack O'Connor certainly seems to have talked about that a lot. I think Kildare are a big favourite there. Kildare minus five, if I have down here. I'm starting to wonder if it's enough. <laughs> okay, Gary, I'm not going to say yeah. much, but there is a chance. Okay. Um, yeah, like, to be fair, I, I, I was happy to see Offaly, even as a Westmead man, I have to say I was happy to see Offaly win at the weekend because it would have been a bit of a shame if they had, after such a league, good league campaign, to have their, and, like, fair play to them for playing that final as well because it was a risky move. Uh, in in a sense, because you don't know how the players would be this week, but uh, fair play to them for getting the win last week. But then, like PJ is saying, three weeks in a row is a lot to ask, especially when with a short preseason and how condensed the league was in general. Anyway, um, minus five sounds about right. I don't know where to go over or under. I'm gonna go Kildare minus six. I think. Oh. <laughs> He was always going to go one up or one down. It's Kildare. <laughs> it was the difference between a, a throwaway draw and a, and a convincing 4-2 win. So congratulations to Gary on that. That's just one of four uh, Leinster quarterfinals on this week. Dublin playing Wexford, obviously being the one that everybody is going to watch out for. I never mentioned Longford's uh, win over Carlo earlier on in the show as well, by the way, uh, when, when talking about Wexford's win over Carlo and Offaly's win over Loud. So four Leinster's quarterfinals. We've also got Monaghan and Fermanagh. Um, in I don't understand why there's only one Ulster quarterfinal, lads. Can anybody tell me what's going on there? Because we're rushing through this year like there's no tomorrow. But uh, in Ulster, for some reason, we're putting off games another week to to so that the likes of Tyrone and uh, and Monaghan and Cavan and all these teams aren't out for another two, for for two weeks at the start of the year. No, no I have no, I have absolutely no idea other than you know it's just the way the GA does things sometimes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the, the best that you can possibly yeah. get. It makes sense yeah. because it doesn't make sense. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, well, look, we'll see one quarterfinal anyway. We'll see uh, Monaghan and Fermanagh and also that brilliant hurling week. But keep an eye on Balzadi all year. Thanks for watching the first episode of GEA Embedded. Uh, we had a brilliant chat with Darren O'Sullivan, a great chat with Shane McGrath. We ranked their county jerseys, uh, away jerseys, so don't forget to get involved in the comments on that. And Gary, once again, won in Guess the Handicaps. He'll have a chance to defend his crown next Monday, and we'll be back with you with lots more then. Keep an eye on Balls.e for everything. And, of course, please subscribe to either YouTube or to the podcast, depending on what you're listening to, and send us a screen grab to gaffer at Balls.e. You'll be in with a chance of winning a GA jersey of your choice. We'll talk to you next week.